As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to another episode here at View from the Bullins. I'm, of course, The Bobble, and joining me is Lee McLean. Lee, we've had a couple of days since Everton got beat at home to Wolves 1-0. You've had a couple of nights to, to sleep on it. I know you were you know, you were a little bit upset after the game. You were, you were worried. You were angry. Again, you've had a couple of nights to, to sleep on it now. Everton, three straight defeats. How are you currently feeling? Um, I think after the game, it was just that same old Groundhog Day feeling. Um, there was a guy, actually, when I walked out to Goodison, and as soon as the goal went in, I, I walked out and he said, we should all be millionaires. That was his comment that he said to me because Everton and their results and what happens in games is just far too predictable. Mm. And we all saw this coming, didn't we? If, we, if we're honest, three, three games in. Failure to prepare, failure to go into these games with a, a striker. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you take the Aston Villa game out of it because they were by far the better better side. Although they weren't amazing, they were, they were the better side. The two home games we've we've dominated to an extent, being the better side, created good chances, but we've been toothless again. Mm. So it, we, we saw it coming. Um, bitterly disappointing to, to come away from the first three games with, with no points. It leaves us in a real predicament. That's arguably two out of the four easiest home games on paper that yeah, we've yeah. all, all season. And we've got no points returned. Um, as always, as time progresses and we're now you know, a couple of days out, you hear, hear little stats like equivalent fixtures last year were, were in the same position. So that yeah. makes you feel a little bit better. But at the end of the day, if we, if we were 
semi-prepared and we went into those games with a, a fit or a competent striker, I think we'd be sat here on at least four points now. Mm. So it's just, it's gotten again, just, just walking away from a home game and you've, you've played sort of poor opposition. And that's what they are. Let's, let's not beat around the bush. Fulham and Wolves, they're not, they're not good. They're both good poor, side. weren't they? They're both poor. Um, and Everton did okay. But your overriding feeling when you come out of the ground is you, you struggle to see any of them positives and you struggle to rationalise stuff because mm. you've just seen your team get beat against mm. one of the strugglers. And it's hard to take because ultimately that's happened far too often in the last couple of seasons. Teams have come to Goodison and found it way too easy to walk away with not just a point but all three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very easy to be negative at the moment, isn't it? And after the game, I was angry and, you know, we did the post-match podcast and it's hard to kind of dissect a game like that, especially when it's carbon copy of the, of the game against Fulham. But, you know, a few days have now gone and, you, and you, you try and look for positives, don't you? You know, as a football fan, you've got to have hope and you try and look for positives. And one of the positives for me is they are creating the chances, aren't they? And unlike previous years, I remember under Rafa Benitez when he started really, really well at Everton. Um, you know, we beat Brighton, we, we beat Crystal Palace, we beat Burnley at home and Josh Townsend was scoring worldies every other week, mm-hmm. it felt like. But the underlying stats, if you're a stat man for the listeners, was, was suggesting that the minute those worldies dried up, mm-hmm. Everton were not creating the chances mm-hmm. and eventually the goals would dry up. But it's it's the complete opposite at the moment, isn't it, under Sean Dyche? The fact that they are creating the chances and they should be scoring two or three, mm-hmm. but they're scoring zero. And that that is a positive if you look at the underlying stats again, if you're a bit of a stat man that the goals will come because the data is suggesting that the goals will come. Mm-hmm. And when they will come, Everton then should, fingers crossed, go on a decent run and start picking up some points. But are there any positives for you? That That's my positives at there the moment. And, and, and that's what I'm currently not clinging on to. But as a fan, like I said, you've got to have hope. Mm-hmm. And when I look at the stats and I look at the data, it suggests that if they do continue doing what they are doing, mm-hmm. it will improve and they will start scoring. Yeah. I mean, did you walk away from the game on Saturday or against Fulham thinking we were absolutely terrible? Mm-hmm. No, no, I didn't. It was like, no, we, that, that was decent. It was just, it was predictable. We didn't have a strike and we didn't put chances away. Yeah. If we did, it would have been a completely different game. Um, and like you say, you look back to previous tenures and Benitez and Lampard and you're coming away from games and you're like, we didn't even hardly have a shot. Mm. And we didn't look, we could have played until until midnight and, and not created chances. Now it's like we could cr- play until midnight and not score because we've just not got the players to put them away. I think one thing I will say is a lot of focus on the striker and the lack of a striker. And obviously we've got one coming in now, which is amazing. Yeah. I'll give everyone a lift. But... There's still an expectation and an onus on midfielders. They've got to do more. Some of the chances that are coming our mm, way, I agree. they've got to start putting these chances together. All of your expectations can't rely solely on on your striker. Agreed. It's got to be split across the side. So there's positives in terms of the performance. There's positives in terms of players who haven't featured yet and are, yet are going to feature in the coming weeks. So yeah. Dwight McNeil's still got to come back in. He was our top guy in the in the last... In the running, was it? Running, yeah, in the running. Brilliant. Um, you've got Jack Harrison, who, who's a very exciting addition for me. Mm. Someone who, who, again, has got a bit of creativity. He's proven, isn't he? Proven at that level. Yeah. Can score goals. He's got to come come in. Um, you've got a couple of strikers there. Um, and hopefully the, you've, the likes of you, Decore and Dan Juma, for example, had a good yeah. chance at the weekend. Needs a goal, doesn't he? Needs one quickly. I always think mm. if you're starting on a new club, getting off the mark early-ish is, is really important and it sets the tone for your career. So there are positives to take. The play up to a point is 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 good. And the chances that we're creating are solid, good chances where you'd expect the goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got to turn soon um, because what we don't want to be is 10 games in and, and we've only got no, maybe no. a couple of points on the ball because that's when panic sets in then. And that's when the good players that you have got, um, you know, all that's mitigated because 
they're under pressure. Yeah, they're not pressure, playing within pressure themselves. Pressure impacts performance. Mm-hmm. Do you think Sean Dyche could have done anything more in these first three games? Do you think he could have been better in, in areas? You know, he is coming under scrutiny right now, especially on social media. I know, again, he's got a host of injuries, arguably not had the, the summer window as we'd have all hoped in terms of getting additions in early. But do you think he could have done any more, especially in those two home games, Fulham and Wolves? Obviously, Aston Villa are a decent team. Mm-hmm. So getting beat at Aston Villa, I know the manner wasn't acceptable, but losing at Villa Park is no disgrace. Mm-hmm. But it was the manner that was, that was, of course, a disgrace there. But focused on the two home games, do you think Sean Dyche could have done anything more, anything different that may have impacted the result? He's not immune from criticism. I don't think he's the level of manager where you can say, listen, he's, he's built up loads of credit in the bank. Mm. Um at the end of the day, the achievement to keep Everton up was absolutely unbelievable last year, and I don't think many people would have been able to pull it off. But this season, I think he has got a couple of questions to answer. I can take myself back, and I know I haven't been on uh, the pod just due to commitments and stuff since yeah. the Fulham uh, game. But that one in particular, an hour before kickoff, I was flat, disappointed with that mm-hmm. team. Sort of looked to me like. Uh, a continuation, I, I tweeted and, it, and it, it went mad at the a continuation of last season. It felt like the 39th game of last season, not mm. the first game of this one. Yeah, And it was the sense that I got from everyone around me in the pub and everything before the game. Um, so, And, and I think you've got to consider that. Yeah. Uh, obviously, as, as a, an elite manager, you're not going to be led by fan feeling 100% of the time. That's, that's just silly. And, and we're not football managers. And a lot of time, we think we're right and we're not. But... You can't discount the impact that freshening things up mm. and the likes of a Lewis Dobbin. You look at him at the weekend and just the, the difference that having him on the pitch and he did, he did really well. He, he wasn't perfect, but he was energetic. He was lively. He, had, he added that. Uh, he gave ele- it a go, didn't he? Element of the unknown yeah. to the opposition. Yeah. And it's just, it sounds horrible, but it's not player X. And, and I'm not going to dig players out or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But it's not, the, it's not a player that's maybe come in flattered to deceive let us down over a period of time. It's someone different. And I think he, he had to consider that against Fulham. I think Branthwaite should have come in from the start. Yeah. Um, very, very bizarre decision to bring Michael Keane back for me, Yeah. Um, considering what happened at the end of last season and the decision that he made. And it looked like he backed down and that stubbornness had, had gone in terms of that decision. And it worked for him and, and ultimately it helped keep Everton in the division. So that was a battle and won. Um, but... You also, on, on the flip side of the coin, he is still working. We, we're very unlucky in terms of key injuries. We've got players out. Yeah. Players that we've signed aren't ready to come in. Uh, and, of course, the big one is the fact that he's not being backed soon enough or quick enough in the transfer market and he's almost mm-hmm. working with one hand tied behind his back. So you've got to factor that in as well. Mm-hmm. Do you think this is, you know, obviously this week now, we then have the international breaks. Everton played Doncaster on Wednesday. And then obviously Sheffield United on Saturday with the transfer window closing. Do you think this could be a season-defining week for, for not only Everton, but also for Sean Dyche's tenure at Everton? Yeah, because listen, football now, um, you know, patience is not something that most owners are blessed with. Mm. We know our owner um, has got a track record of being quite trigger-happy and yeah. reactive. Um, you know, Does he want a Hollywood manager? You don't know. That's looking uh, maybe a couple of steps ahead. But it's a huge week. Um, you know, any time that you start a season with three straight defeats and you haven't scored a goal yet, um, everyone everyone is expecting a reaction. Listen, we're facing Doncaster on Wednesday. We're bottom of the football league. There's nobody lower than them in the football pyramid. So Everton have got to go out there, got to get in the next round. But I think also they've got to pr- produce. They've got to produce a performance from somewhere, and we need goals as well. I think we need that injection of belief. 
and we need a couple of players to get on the score sheet. Um, you know, you looked at the likes of you know Dobbin. Is he going to get another chance? Chimiti, will he get another chance? Um, to come in and you'd expect, you know, go and show what you can do at that level. You're facing Doncaster. You're banging my door down during the week saying you want a chance. Go and go and show me what you can do. Um, and then obviously you've got Sheffield United at the weekend, which is a a fixture against a team again who who are looking to get off the off the mark, newly promoted, and far too often in the past we've we've had these predictable type of results where teams in those predicaments wait for Everton to come along and Everton gift them that first win or they gift a debutant that mm. first goal when they've been struggling they haven't scored for twenty five games or whatever. It happens way too often. And if I'm Sean Dyche, you know, I, I and his team, I, I'm in the players' ear saying, you know, enough's enough. Mm. This has happened too long, and and Everton's name's been attached to these these events and happenings far too often in the in the in the past few years. Detach yourself from that. These are different players. You're you're different players. You've not, been, you know, a lot of them haven't been involved in those results. Go and prove that, you know, that that's a thing of the past, and go and put Sheffield United to bed, because I don't care what you say. No, I know we've lost the first three, and this may sound like blind faith, but I, I think no matter what team Everton put out on at the weekend, it'll be a stronger eleven than Sheffield United's mm. one. On so paper, yeah. On paper, it will. So we need to go and, and impose ourselves on that game and think, right, here's our here's our first three points now. You're not getting yours, Everton. We're, we're going to get off the mark and we're going to get three points. So I, I'm really hopeful that at the end of this week, we'll be in the next round of the, the cup. We'll get our first win on Saturday. Mm-hmm. I think it's all point, trending towards that way. I think the result is coming. We just need to start putting our chances away. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I mean by the underlying stats. The underlying stats are suggesting that the goals are coming mm-hmm. and, and a result will come with it. Obviously, stats don't mean anything when you keep losing, of course, but that's the the positivity that I'm kind of, of, of sticking with and latching onto right now is that it will come. Uh, and, and like you say, this week is massive. I think it's huge. Obviously, Doncaster on Wednesday, regardless of what team he puts out, you need to go there and win comfortably mm-hmm. 3-0, 4-1, something like that. Yeah. Get some goals in the team, get a couple of players, you know, on the score sheet, maybe a monkey off a couple of backs. It'd be nice to see maybe Dan Juma Dan score Juma, or yeah. Chimiti to score or Decore to bag one because Decore, you know, can can score from midfield. It'd be good to get him off the mark as well because he's missed some really good chances this season already. Uh, get some minutes for maybe Mikalenko, maybe more minutes for Branthwaite. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think it's... <clears throat> sometimes midweek games and cup games can be a bit of a nuisance and a bit of a distraction, but I think this one might be a welcome distraction this time round. And I think it might be a game where Sean Dodge might just welcome it and think, you know what, I can just take the pressure off the players a bit, go out there and play with a bit of freedom, put Doncaster to the sword, score three or four, and then travel down to, to, to Bramall Lane with, with, you know, a bit of renewed confidence. Not Not obviously... A lot of confidence granted because it's only Doncaster with respect off the back of a win. and some goals. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really, really important. Then go to Sheffield United and give them a right go. Like I say, you're absolutely right. No matter what 11 Everton put out, it should be stronger on paper than Sheffield United's. They're going to be as low as confidence as Everton. You know, they're yet to get off the mark. Um, they've proven that, you know, they haven't found their feet in the Premier League just yet. I know they did okay against Manchester City on the weekend. I know they lost 2-1, but on another day, it could have been 3 or 4 nil before... The, the hour mark. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's a really, really big week. And, and then looking to the transfer window as well, Everton need to finish it strongly. Obviously, Beto's coming in now as, as a new striker, which is a, a big signing for Everton. Um, you know, we've been banging that drum for a striker for, what, 18 months, two years now, mm-hmm. probably. Mm-hmm. Bring us a striker, bring us a striker, you know, a, a, a striker that's ready. Chimiti's a striker, we've got to remember that. But a striker that is ready to to start games immediately. Um 
So yeah, I mean, we're a couple short in other areas in reality. We all want a centre-back. I think we all want another winger. We might have a couple heading out the door, of course, as well. And obviously that can have different permutation on who comes in. So yeah, it, it is a really, really big week. And I think for Sean Deutsch, it's a big week as well. Because if you, if you, regardless of what you do Wednesday against Doncaster, if you go to Bramall Lane and you lose mm-hmm. four straight defeats to start the season, there's an enormous pressure coming back off the international break and then you, you, your margin for error is then minimal. It's very, very slim. Um, you know, you've seen Leicester last year. They started off really, really poorly. And they never really caught up and managed to claw the points back. And ultimately, they fell through the trap door. Newcastle under Mike Ashley, you know, they started the season really, really poorly one year, didn't they? The mm-hmm. Six or seven games of that, a win at the start. And then eventually, they started to climb the table. They started to make a couple of good additions. But it, it's a rarity. It is a rarity. Teams that start really, really slowly then managed to start to fly up the league. It, it's a slog. Especially it be- when it's only going to get tougher. Absolutely. It, it seems, it's not a difficult start on paper, is it? No, it's not. And, and Everton are going to have some really tough fixtures. Mm-hmm. We've got a, I've got a month or two coming up before Christmas that, that there's some really tough fixtures combined, uh, back-to-back games, some tough fixtures where you could go winless, you could go pointless mm-hmm. for three or four games. So, yeah, it, it's really important that Everton get off the mark before the international break. I really believe that. Don't go into the international break four straight defeats. It's, it's a bad feeling to go into the international break, of course. I think people dwell on it. I think players then probably start feeling the pressure, like you say. But also, on the positive, if you go to Bramall Lane and you win, you're finishing it on a bit of a high... A lot of Everton players don't go to international duty. A lot of them stay at Finch Farm. They'll have a couple of days off and they'll be training. People like Beto can bed in. Um, Dan Juma gets a little bit more time to bed in and maybe a couple of other additions get time to bed in and you come back you know, from the international break with renewed confidence, don't you? So I, I do agree with you. I think it is a really, really big week for Everton on and off the pitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it could be a season-defining week and I don't say that lightly. I really, really think it could. You've just said to me off air that you believe... Not only Everton need another centre half, but you believe Everton could maybe do with a starting centre half to come in. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Um, listen, is Jared Brantwaite, is he, I know he's come in, he's hit the ground running, he's really impressed mm. at the weekend. Um, has he done enough or, or will Sean Dyche consider him a shoo-in at centre-back? Uh, I'm not sure. I think everyone will concede that we're only one injury away in that position from potentially being in real trouble I agree. again because what, what's behind isn't strong enough. Um, but I just think, no, I'm just looking at who's available in those positions and there's a couple of uh, names that we've been linked with and the centre-backs that are available mm. who, in if, if the scenario played out and they, and they were to come in and join Everton, there's an argument that perhaps that person plus Jared Branthwaite, if he fulfills his potential, 
maybe come the end of the season yeah. could form a, a, a stronger partnership than Branthwaite and Tarkovsky. I mean, and, and this is not me saying you know I've got a pertaining issue with James Tarkovsky because I absolutely haven't mm. in terms of the last two a couple of seasons. He's one of them of very few who can hold, hold his head, head up high yeah. and say I, I've been you know not faultless because he has had spells where he's struggled, but he's more often than not done really really well and he's displayed all the attributes that you want to see. Um, but I, I just think moving forward and if Everton want to be in the place where we'd all like to see the football club and we feel like we Everton belong, is that a strong enough centre-back partnership comparative-wise when you look at other teams in the top half? Mm. And that's what you've got to ask yourself. You know, Instead of just living in the moment and thinking, OK, for now that'll do. If we want to get to where we, where we need to be and, a, and, a, and, a, and a, a side that's befitting that stadium, which is just over the road from where we're sat now, you ask yourself those type of questions, yeah. don't you? And I think you put the likes of Iwobi to Corey in that category as well. Because one thing that we've mentioned a lot and, and a lot of Everton fans raise as an issue is the, the, the bench and just how poor mm. Everton's bench is. That's been, that's been one of the, the big worries for me this season. I know, again, we've had a few injuries, but when we look at the bench... It's nothing there. Wolves. The, wo- the Wolves any. winner came from a player coming off the bench mm-hmm. and Fulham's winner came off... Yeah someone come off the bench and that just goes to show you a game's not won 11 v 11 anymore it's won 15 v 15 16 v 16 that's what it's won and Everton have lost the two home games to substitutes yeah no no, you're right and I know uh, I'm a fan of of an analogy every now and again Mm. but what what I liken it to is so the players like your Iwobis your Decores maybe your James Tarkovsky's in time maybe not now that's being a bit harsh on him yeah Um, but they, they do they serve a purpose and they do a decent job up to a point, getting you out of a predicament. And then you've got to look to sort of Sir Alex Ferguson them, move them on quickly. Well, Newcastle have started and, doing yeah, that. Yeah, and, and you know, you've know you got to level up you know, at the earliest possibility that you yeah. can so these players don't get stale and you don't start accepting a certain level. It's almost like when you buy a, a, a new shirt to go out with and it's all nice and it's, it fits nice and it's, it's fresh and everything like that and it feels good. You wear it a few times and then it starts getting discoloured and misshapen and you know a little bit baggy around the edges and you you start wearing it for work. That's the analogy I'd use that you know to start putting these players on the bench because if if you've got a decore to fall back on and maybe an Alex Awobi, um, there's other players that you can maybe fit into that category. You start eleven's getting stronger, but also your, your options off the bench. There's not that drastic drop off between what you've got on the pitch and what you've got maybe coming on to influence games. Your striker's the same. Does Calvert Lewin? You've got to ask yourself these questions as well. If Beto mm-hmm. comes in and, and hits the ground running and he and he's a success like we all hope he is, does that then mean Dominic Calvert Lewin mm-hmm. is a is a support striker when he's fit? You just don't know. Well, Dom's now got a genuine competitor for yeah. that number nine shirt, That's so to speak. Be. That that lead, to lead the line. If if Deitch is going to stick with playing one up front, Dominic Calvert Lewin has now got a genuine competitor to fight for a starting berth depending on who's fit who's in form and, th- and that's what you want you want that nice headache because that's a nice headache to have for a manager and obviously if Sean Dyche prefers maybe to go 4-4-2 in a game you've got two big lads who can do that and he did that at Burnley he went 4-4-2 a few times you know that was almost his his, his plan each week 4-4-2 at Burnley but Dominic Calvert-Lewin is needed not pressure but he needs someone maybe to take the burden off him a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, we all know the, the problems that we've had with Dominic Calvert-Lewin bringing him back too quickly, the pressure that he's had to, to play every week. Um, and ultimately, it's not his fault that he that he's had these injury problems. It's not his fault, obviously. It's just a, a life, isn't it, so to speak? It is just a part of football. And 
you know, he hasn't probably been as managed as well as he could have, especially with, you know, a couple of times he's been rushed back when he shouldn't have been and then he's broke down again. Then obviously, you know, the fan base gets on his back when in reality, probably more the club, they shouldn't yeah. have brought him back quickly, you know, yeah. quick enough. But you're absolutely right. I, th- I think it's going to be very interesting now with Beto coming in um, because he's not coming in here to, to sit on the bench. You know, you don't sign, you know, you don't spend a, t- a total sum of, of 30 million euros on a player, especially if you're Everton. Given the, predicament, given the predicament that we're in, 25 years old, mm-hmm. a starter for Udinese week in, week out in Syria, you, you don't bring him in if he's going to be happy sitting on the bench. And and that that was, you know, Che Adams is, that's his worry about where he goes from Southampton. He wants to play each week and I don't blame him. Mm-hmm. You know, he wants to play. And that was one of his issues about, you know, regarding Everton, will I will I play? Yeah. If Dominic Havilland's fit, I probably won't play. And that was, that was one of his, or that is one of his issues, whereas with Beto, He's going to come in here and he's going to be expected to start, isn't yeah. he? He's going to be expecting, you know what, I'm I'm 25, I'm fully-fledged pro, played numerous games for Udinese, you know, Syria, I'm comfortable at that level. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm coming here to start, I'm not coming here to warm the bench. And, and that's what you want, isn't you it? Want you, want, you want Calvert-Lewin to not fear for his place, but have that nagging feeling in well, the back of my them, mind. Yeah. yeah, almost to feel like if, I, if I'm not playing well, I'll lose my spot. Mm-hmm. And we haven't had that in the striker berth for years. Yeah. And it, it's it's... it's it's really pleasing now to have someone come in and, and put that doubt in some other players. Once Chimiti now thinks, you know, am I going to get a game? You know, and, and that's what you want. You mm-hmm. want players to be fighting in training to start on a Saturday. You know, at any level, it doesn't mean Premier League or, or National League, at any level, that's what you want. You want people pushing for competition for places. And I think we have it in certain areas. I do. I think on the wing, we have it. Yeah. Harrison, McNeil, Dan Juma, currently Awobi, currently Dobbin. Well, there's five. Mm-hmm. That's quite a lot, yeah. for, you know. That's quite a lot winger-wise. Um, midfield, centre midfield area. We potentially Decorio Nana, James Garner, Idrissa Garner, Gay Iwobi. Again, you're pretty covered there. Probably like one more, but you're, you're pretty covered. But it was that striker berth, and I think you're right. I think the centre half berth is another position where there's not a lot of competition. Brantthwaite and, and Tarkowski are going to start week in week out. We would hope mm-hmm. as fans. I think. I think sp- that'll happen now. Yeah, without speaking for Evertonians, that's what I would like. Mm-hmm. And then you have Michael Keane, who, in my opinion, we've seen enough of him now. And then you have Ben Godfrey, who isn't isn't too fancy the centre half by Deutsch. And yep. obviously Holgate's now gone to Southampton. Yeah, Mason Holgate. Let's touch on him. Yeah. What are your thoughts on him going to Southampton on loan? I don't want to sound too harsh, but you know, I haven't lost. Put it this way, I've not lost any sleep about it. Mm. Um, listen, again, he's not stepping over that white line and wanting to perform badly, I'm sure. Um, I think sometimes, and again, I know we've spoken about this because I can remember where you assume with Mason Holgate a lot of the time that he's cocky because he's got that sort of look about him and he's chewing his gum and things like that. Maybe that's just how he looks and how he comes across. Uh, I'm sure he's given 100%, but there's definitely question marks about his ability at that level. And I'm sorry, but I associate Mason, Mason Holgate and a few others, Tom Davis, Michael Keane, Neil Morpe, um, others where you think of them and you think of a really, really bad era for Everton Football Club where we've mm. perpetually struggled and you think back to too many performances where it's been woeful and you come come away almost embarrassed. Um, you think back to that Liverpool game in the FA Cup. That's one that I always... sparks me memory. Yeah. And I think yeah. they paid their under-11s. We went full strength and we got beat. And that was one of the most embarrassing days that I can remember. And it's players like that that you, you associate with those performances and too many capitulations and too many times where we've gone a goal down and, and you blink you blink of an eye with three and four down because the, the mentality just isn't there. 
So for Mason Holgate, I think he's part of that collective. There's far mm. too many individual mistakes. I don't think he switches on enough, you know, in terms of positional sense, in terms of that discipline that you need to be a top level yeah. defender. I don't think he has it. Um, but I think he'll go to Southampton, by the way, at that level. And I would expect him to be to do really, really well and, and perform. And I hope he does, because again, it's never anything personal. Um, so I hope he goes and goes away and smashes it and helps get Southampton back up, and then it, it benefits Everton. Then, because mm, no, you know, if he can, you know, it, it can either result in a his stock in a gets sale, higher, stock yeah. gets higher, and, and we, we all win. So good luck to him. Mm-hmm. So looking ahead to Everton v Doncaster on Wednesday night, Lee, who are you hoping starts for for Sean Dyche's Toffees? I don't want to see too many changes. It always bugs me that, um, and and for the reasons me and you have spoken about today, I just think it's a really important game, and I think it carries a lot more weight than a. You, uh, you know, first round in a league cup mm. would have done if we'd have started with a win and a draw, or a couple of wins. Um, we have to get off the mark and we have to inject some confidence into this team because it's been a disastrous start results-wise. Um, I've never been a fan of changing your goalie and your and your, your centre backs. Um, I think your full backs. Um, so they're areas that I'd, I'd be looking to manoeuvre if I'm Sean Dyche I think Michalenko needs to come in at, at left back and maybe give Ashley Young either a rest or move him into midfield because we're going to have a lot of the ball um, You know, maybe his experience and his ability on the ball might be useful there I don't know um, do we give Nathan Patterson uh, a rest at right back or do we allow him to continue to build an understanding with Branthwaite and, and Tarkovsky who I'd keep I'd keep and I'd build on that partnership and even with the early game on Saturday yeah 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 absolutely um, you know they, they they haven't got a load of football in the legs. Jared Branford certainly hasn't, and I think with centre backs, um, cohesion and understanding and knowing where each other are on the pitch and and how they communicate, I think all of that is really really important. Um, that's what I'd like to happen. What I think will happen is something different. I think Ben Godfrey will come in. I think Godfrey will get a start mm. instead of Tarkovsky. I, I'll probably see Branford and Godfrey starting uh, yeah. on Wednesday. Full backs are an area, as I say, that I change. Um, and then, you know, up front, I'm not sure whether the game's going to come too soon for Calvert-Lewin. It probably will with the protocol and everything like that. Um, Chimiti did okay for me. Looked look, look lively, didn't he? Did okay. You know, um, surprised me, actually. didn't expect to see him mm. feature at all. Um, so I was pleased when, when he came on. I, I actually thought he had game. I mean, yeah. um, just to touch on Chimiti, when uh, Dawson, the Wolves centre-half... He went through the back of him very early on when Schmitty came on very early on. And it was quite a hard <laughs> tackle, to be honest. And it's one of them where you think, oh, Schmitty's a young lad, you know, with all due respect, coming from a European league where you're maybe not as used to that. Is he going to roll around? Is he going to be, you know, not fancy it now? You know, Craig Dawson's an old, yeah, wily centre-half. And Schmitty bounced straight up. Uh, and as he was walking towards Dawson, I was sitting in the main stand smack bang in the middle of the pitch and I could see Schmitty walking to, walking towards Dawson and it was clearly in, in Portuguese but he was mouthing off to Dawson love all that mouthing, and, and I actually thought to myself straight away he's got game mm-hmm. he's got game he, he won't be intimidated by this yeah. and I like that because yeah. it just shows a lot about his character straight away he, mm-hmm. he almost fancied himself you could see he puffed his chest out a little bit and he thought yeah do it again to me crack on yeah. and I actually like that in a young player mm-hmm. I do it shows game like I say and it shows that you know what I don't care if I'm coming to a new league and I'm coming against, you know, Dawson's a big, strong centre-half. You know, smash me from behind all you want. I'm just going to bounce straight back up and keep going. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I thought, full credit to you, lad. Honestly, I just thought full credit to you. It would have been very easy to to shy away, maybe roll on the floor, look, for, you know, try and play the injury, whatever you may do. Yeah. But no, I, I was really, I was pleasantly surprised, mate. I'm not going to like that point, yeah. Yeah, I was. I think, uh, you know, he's a unit and he's got the attributes there. 
he's only going to grow in size as he as he matures and develops as well. But I think a lot of the basics and fundamentals what I saw from him at the mm-hmm. weekend was really really good. So does he get another opportunity again at a lower league level to you know bag his first goal for Everton mm-hmm. and only his second appearance? And, I, and as I said before, I think that's important. Um, I'd love to see James Garner come in off uh, the right and put him in the middle and maybe start Dobbin and Dan Juma on the wings. Um, give Dan Juma another start. Hopefully he can get off off the mark as well. Lewis Dobbin, you know, can he get his first couple of goals or goal for Everton? That would be a, a big plus. Uh, but n- certainly not whole ch- wholesale changes. Um, I just think tinkering around with the full-back areas um, and maybe keeping the midfield as is, um, maybe with the exception of putting James Garner in the middle and mm-hmm. add, uh, maybe give Garner, yeah, Garner guy, yeah. a bit of a rest. Mm-hmm. Um, he's 33 years old. Um, it's not a game that I think he, he has to play. If you look at the type of profile of, of player that he is, are we really going to need this mm. sort of enforcer in there, someone with the legs? We want Everton are going to have a lot of the ball and you want your ball players in the middle. And that's another reason why I'd like to see James Garner mm. in there. No fair assessment, fair assessment. So to wrap up, Everton played Doncaster Wednesday, 8pm kickoff. We are live on the box. Prediction time, mate. What is your prediction? I think we'll win. Um, I think there's enough to suggest that uh, a win is, is, is due. And if you just look at where Doncaster are in in the standings, they've had a horrific start themselves. Mm. It's not like they're full of confidence. So, to be honest, I'm expecting a very comfortable win. I'm going to go 4-0. 4-0 to Everton. And I am going to go 3-0 to the boys in Blues. Hopefully, yeah, we focus then on Sheffield United on the back of a really, really comfortable win at Doncaster. In the meantime, keep an eye on all our social media channels here at Avusing the Bullins for all the latest news coming out of Goodison Park and Finch Farm. We're expecting a really, really busy week with two games in the space of, what, three and a half, four days, as well as the transfer deadline looming. In the meantime, take care and all the very best. Thank you. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.